back. We're back with a bang, folks. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. Back with the box. Back to fill that syringe until it's runneth over and prepare you for injection with another dose of that performance enhancing audio sweet science edition coming your way your boy bc the voice that you hear look i don't already have to tell you this you know this is the best box pod in the game today yeah you know i'm the best yeah. Yeah. hey you heard marcos vegas's voice right there shout out indeed um, I got your boy Rafe Bugs. He's in the cage. Uh, he listens to me well. He's going to be coming out soon. Coming for you. That was disgusting. All right, we got a loaded show coming for you today. Not only look, we're going to recap a, a interesting weekend of box. Lots, a lot of stuff going on head to head. Three. Three streams crossing simultaneously Saturday night. We will preview a weekend that includes the in American invasion, the British invasion. Where am I going here? Eje, the birthplace of Eje, Anthony Joshua finally comes to America. He's going to get off the plane. All them Beatles teenage girl fans are going to be there cheering for him. We'll see him against Andy Ruiz Jr. in DAZN this weekend. We will also have a nice chat with somebody who's on that DAZN undercard. He's a, he's a hunk. He's a former world champion. He's now an author. It's Chris Algeri to talk about his new book. Talk about avocados. Maybe talk about what went down in Malaysia between him and Todd Grisham after hours. Wow, wow. You want to stay around for this. But uh, look, it's five-star review season. Pay it forward if you like this show. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend. Go on your apps. Swipe right. Listen to it. On, I don't know. FanDuel, if they have it on there. Uh, 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 Fondura. Sebastian Fondura. Pantera. Whatever, whatever these apps are called. Spotify, check out our show. Time to bring in my friend, your friend, the Boogs Master, a New York Times best-selling author, a television personality in Southeast Asia, South Asia, East Asia, all of Asia. He's Raphael Boogs, Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you down. Oh, babe. Ah, you already know I'm a best-selling author, Brian. Yeah, Raphael Boogs, the West Coast master. People can't... I was born for... I was born ready to be the West Coast master. That's why I was born in New York City. Hell! The man who does a podcast in a hoodie with a bottle of that liquid crack in his hand, making sure no one in this game loses the recipes. You're saving recipes all over. You, like Barack the Boxing Bully Besh, who's going around collecting loads, don't be shooting that off on the air. You're collecting the old recipes, putting them on the books, on the pages, on the hardcovers, keeping tradition alive, Rafe. Where am I going? I don't know. Are you with me? You're still with me, right? I am with you, Brian. Somehow. Rafe, how is your life? You got anything to sell? You got anything new going on? What's going on? Anything good? Not much, man. I'm just here uh, watching boxing. And I, I will say, I will say this weekend, not a whole lot of marquee value, some fun. I enjoyed the fights. I was I was digging it. Even though, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But it was fun. It was fun. Good fights. All right. Good fights. A couple fat people. The fat fellas can fight for some reason. All fat people can fight. <laughs> We had a few of them. A couple of people lost, almost lost to a man with uh, 
with uh, T-Tays, but that's another story for another day. Uh, may the Schwartz be with you, Ray, for coming up on Tyson Fury season. I mean, this ain't these ain't the heavyweight fights we want to see, right? Like AJ Ruiz, but hey, the big names are back. That's something worth talking about. Are you are you in? You out? You in the middle? You, you squatting on the fence? What's going on? I'm 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 securely on the fence, Brian. I still haven't seen Tom Schwartz in person show up anywhere. How, how did you like the the car wash, the ESPN full treatment yeah. that Tyson Fury got last week? I mean, it was good to see him on the network. That's obviously what they need to do to build him. He's, he gave some great interviews as always. I mean, the man is compelling when he decides to turn on that that gift of gab. But I, it's the the letdown, the 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 Schwartz here is such a problem for me that <laughs> I am not, I can't get all the way into it. Fury needs the Schwartz. Uh, Fury, am I right or wrong? Okay, number one, he's in great shape. So shout out to him for keeping the train on the tracks. He's in tremendous shape. That suit he wore in the ESPN car wash with all the all time great champions in heavyweight history on it was awesome. He looked annoyed in a lot of these interviews, though. I don't know if maybe it's because they're shuffling him off to Ariel Hawani's MMA show. They're, you know, they're spreading him all over. They're, ESPN signed him. They're trying to use him, right? They're trying to spread his fluids everywhere. Everybody gets a taste. I felt like in look, I've been on a lot of ESPN car washes on, behind the scenes. These guys get very fatigued and annoyed. I saw a few different interviews where I saw sort of a just like, "Are we done yet?" type of Tyson Fury. Did you feel that? You okay with that? Are you Are you with me? Because People do I, not I, want to hear any more podcasts in which you are coming in and out, Rafe. Well, I mean, I'm trying to get effing inside on this podcast. I'm doing my best. You just, I, you got that stiff jab, though. It is hard to get around. I, I see you working. You're, you're getting ready for that showdown with B Wise, who gonna, gonna send you to hell like, like B <laughs> I got a story Joseph for that Jr. in a second. Finish off Fury. I got a story for that in a second. Uh, yeah, he looked a little annoyed. I can, I think maybe it also has to do with himself to this entire new nation that doesn't know him as well. Tyson Fury in the UK can just start at, start wherever he wants. Everyone knows who he is. He can say whatever, speak whatever is on his mind. He can speak it, believe it, receive it. He can say he doesn't believe in a man who believes in an alter ego. The, the, the show, the, the train is already out of the station in the UK for Tyson Fury. In the US, they really have to start from ground zero and build up this story. Who is this guy who calls himself the Gypsy King? Where does he come from? What's the deal? You know, named after Mike Tyson, all the sort of basics that I'm sure are really boring to him, but make him compelling to, to someone who's just meeting him for the first time. I'm with you on that. Uh, when he looked very tired at the end of the Ariel Hawani interview and Ariel coerced him into doing, uh, ropes karaoke. Not the most, you know, you know, you're having a bad day when you get Tyson Fury and he's like, do I really have? Yeah. Do I really have to sing a, a American pie with you to Tyson's credit? He, he finally gave in. I mean, I get what Ariel was doing. I would have preferred a different song from Ariel if Ariel knew, you know, his history a little bit better. There were other songs you could have, you could have pulled from the Tyson playbook. Baby, I just don't get it. Do yeah. you enjoy being heard? I know you smell the perfume, the makeup on your shirt. You if don't know my hand, baby. Hey, Biatch. You know that they're all lies. Bad as you want. Stick around. But I just don't know why. If I was your man, baby, you. Uh, either way, it was good to hear Tyson Fury back. We got some audio difficulties behind us. Let's move forward, Rafe. I got a story to tell you about this fight in 2019 that a lot of people are getting excited about. No, I'm not talking about Bud Spence. No, I'm not talking about AJ Wilder. Rafe, 
I'm talking about hashtag Campbell Wise, which now has a working title. Get rich or die trying. No, that's 50 Cent. No, it's it's hashtag Campbell Wise Survive or Die. That's the, the headline. We have posters being ready to be printed. I'm going to tell you this story, though, on the other end after we hear from our friends and sponsors. Yeah, dig it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Rafe, I was in Fort Lauderdale, home office, of course, of CBS Sports last week, talking shop with my MMA co-host, Brandon Wise. You heard him on this show. We're talking about the sparring match to end all sparring matches, the comeback for 40-year-old Wash BC. Do you know what happened after those microphones went off the air, Rafe? What happened, Brian? Lay it on me. I said, hey, be wise. Mm. You're talking about this boxing gym you're working out at. I'm coming. I'm coming to your city. Let's go. Let's go today after work. Let's go work out. And you can get a taste of day one-ish BC so I can begin to play those B-Hop mental games and show you how washed I am. Not how gangster I am. How washed I am today before training camp even starts. You're peaking. You're prime. You're ready. Rafe, we went to uh title boxing in Fort Lauderdale. You know who ended up being there in 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 helping train us? Do you remember in about 08, there was an ESPN, the magazine cover, where there was a uh, fullback from the University of Miami football who played in the NFL a bunch of years, and he was uh, part of that factory in Florida where they're trying to turn pro athletes into boxers. I think it's the same one possibly Brazil went to. Do you remember the, this not cover? Not the heavyweight factory with yeah. Kenny Briggs? There's the, there's, there's, yeah, exactly. There's a shirtless football player with University of Miami football pants and boxing gloves on. Yeah, no, I don't know that. All right. I only knew it because I worked at ESPN forever, and that framed magazine was on the wall. I saw him every day. Guy looks like Birdo. They say Birdo, but he kind of looks like Birdo. And uh, he turned out to be one of the uh, boxers there. He went 5-2 and two as a heavyweight player in the NFL for four different teams as a fullback. Um, pretty nice dude. Quadrine Hill was his name. You remember that mm. dude? Not, not at all, man. All right, not, anyway. Not one iota. I was never – I'm not a big football guy, not a big college right, football guy. Right. So 2008, I was probably in the Philippines back then. I mean, it's yeah, there's a lot going on in this crazy timeline of life. All right. So, Rafe, uh, we I did Brandon Wise's boxing workout. The warm-up alone, Rafe, put me on tilt. The warm-up alone. The warm-up was the station to station. We got burpees. We got different things going on. We got a lot going on. Three rounds of this warm-up. I was like, am I going to throw up right here? Is this going to happen? Rafe, day one, they say the first days are the hardest, right? I mean, it, it was rough, Rafe. Do I, like, it was enough to make a man say, do I want to do this? Do I want to put my life on the line here to protect this show, to protect my name? And in the end, I sucked it up, Rafe. The jab was back. 
There's some really bad videos out there Wise has on his phone that I told him our friendship's over if you put them out there. My uppercut's not on point. But I, I, it felt good to get the gloves back on, Rafe. And here's the thing. I'm already in his head. He's seen mm-hmm. me at my worst. It can only get better from here, Rafe. Did I get fat and drunk over this holiday weekend? Yes. But today, day one-ish. You ready? You ready to so train me? So this is me? like day 1.5 today? So yes. you, you Day one was there. Then you got drunk and fat, and now you're going to have day 1A. I have a question, Brian. Do you think it was a good idea to let your opponent get video of you on his phone? Because we know that has not worked out in other prominent examples, specifically Paulie Malignaggi and Conor McGregor. Are you going to spend the next five years on Twitter yelling at B-Wise to to release the tape? No, we do not want B-Wise to release the tape of Wash Campbell at the end of the workout trying to find the mitts with the uppercuts. Not good. Not at all. It was an error on my part. The trainer sent the videos to him. I didn't want to be a part of that. But here's the deal, Rafe. You know, cue up Miguel Cotto and Melissa, all right? This this is all I know, Rafe, all right? This is I was challenged. I'm not backing down. I'm 40. I'm washed. It's time to get in the best shape of my life. And if you saw what I saw, this prime young buck, 27-year-old B.Y., 6'5", Got a big jab. Maybe telegraphs that left cross a little bit, but he's a big dude. Got to work on his footwork. But I see things. I see things, buddy. I see. I see. You. So you're starting. You're, you're you're getting a little bit of Mikey Garcia confidence here. You see something in him that you can exploit. I feel you, Brian. I think I have a new tagline for this for this fight. If you guys will consider it, it is Campbell Wise naked and afraid. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's gross. Okay, wow. Let's hope nobody does that or Barack the Boxing Bully will be there to clean it up. Wow. So, hey, Campbell Wise is coming. That's all I got to say. That's actually, that might be the, that might be a good headline. Campbell Wise, he's coming. Ugh. <laughs> oh, God, all right. Hey, you want to talk box? You want to talk math? You want to talk anything Can else? I- you ready for the show? You ready to get deep? You ready to get on the inside of this show? Because I am. I'm fired up. Let's do it. Let's talk math. Let's talk boxing. But first remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. All righty then, Rafe. That was Dwyer. In case you didn't know, we love us some Richard Dwyer. Hi, it's Dwyer. The week of the fight. It's always the week of the fight. Uh, Rafe, it's time to look back on the weekend that was in Boxeo. You and I argued the week before. Hey, the monster rising was a bigger story than even Deontay Wilder sending a quality B-tier heavyweight to hail. Rafe thinks he's a D-tier heavyweight. We had a little bit of a back and forth on that. Who is the story this weekend, Rafe? Of the weekend that was? Yes. Jeez, man. Well, I I guess it has to be, to me, Devin Haney, because that is – a fighter who, I don't know if it was the biggest main event of the weekend. I think that would probably go to Masayuki Ito and Jamel Herring. Jamel Herring getting that taste of a title here uh, in a little bit of an upset against Ito. But, man, to me, Devin Haney looked like dynamite. He looked damn good. He looked, all right, you're going to have to rein me in, maybe. I, you're going to have to rein me in. I think... I think I like him better now than the very hyped, heralded, and well-deserved 135-pound prospect, Teofimo Lopez. Whoa! Yo, he looked that good. The boxing. Hot take alert, Rafe. Yeah, well, this is all projection. It's all – you can't really read into any – 
of these victories when these guys are coming up and, and, and fighting these, you know, stepping stone gatekeeper type fights. But Devin Haney, I mean, I, first of all, he's fighting a younger, uh, not, not younger than him because he's 20 years old, but a guy who's in his twenties, a guy who was there, looked like he was there trying to win and just couldn't get anything done. Haney, I mean, talk about a back foot game. He just made him miss great counters. I, I, I was, it was just, and, and then when the knockout came, it was a beauty. It was a very impressive performance to me. Yeah. Let's talk about this. His opponent was Antonio Moran. Let's bring in Dwyer to break at, that down. I think this fight is a mismatch. Well, it turned out to be that way. I didn't know much about Moran. He seemed pretty quite credible, had good size, but dude, Haney just jumps off the screen. And it's not just seventh round KO, which will go down possibly as the best knockout of the year. Maybe even better than Wilder Brazil. And I know the people that were ringside, whether it was ESPN's Dan Rayfield or Todd Grisham and Sergio Mora on the call for DAZN. And by the way, they were fantastic together as usual. Uh, they're like, look, this might be. It was a right hand. Moran didn't see it coming. Boy, did that violently snap his chin in the other direction, and he was done. Set up beautifully, beautifully by some body shots. Rafe, he looked every bit the real deal. Just 20 years old. The dream is his name. And now suddenly, I don't mean to always pin things back on the business of boxing, but we're sitting here going, hey, Showtime, we love you. You got to come with something big here. You're losing the big fights to Fox. You're losing all the recipes. They just lost Devin Haney after seemingly – building him up as a showbox talent for the future. How big is this signing right now, Rafe, for Eddie Hearn, Matchroom, and DAZN to get this 20-year-old prospect? Floyd Mayweather Sr. in his corner does a little bit of the Floyd famous shoulder roll, and now he's got this level of speed and pop. Maybe he doesn't have the personality yet, but uh, it feels like if you're saying, I may like him more than Teofimo, that we need to insert him into the conversation of the guys who have next in this sport. Are we too high off of one performance? Does this line up with his other showbox wins that we've seen? Put Come, come original right here, Rafe. Well, I think that his previous showbox performances, obviously he's undefeated. He's winning. He's always looked good. This is one where he put it all together, really had that statement at the end, the beautiful knockout, the and just the way he dominated was hurting Moran. And it, it, this this felt like a, another level of dominance from Devin Haney, something that allowed me to, to feel comfortable throwing him into the conversation there with Teofimo, with these guys that have now really shown that they are the next in the sport. And plus, the, I love Devin Haney's story, the sort of betting on himself, the going down because he's too young to to, to begin his professional career in the United States. So he's take going, driving down to Mexico, driving down to Tijuana to take fights when he's 16, 17 years old. He's trying to be the American Canelo. Not even, not like Larry Americanello on Instagram who shows up <laughs> in some sunglasses and looks a little bit like a, like a slightly out of shape Canelo. By the but way, no, uh, this is, real quick on Larry, I've talked to him many times. Many times I've talked to Larry. He says he consistently pulls in Secondhand Canelo Puntang by dressing up and looking like him. Well, look, that is very unethical and, and I mean, borderline <laughs> criminal if the women actually think he is Canelo. Then again, buyer beware. If you can't tell the difference between Canelo Alvarez and Larry, the, the, the fake Canelo, then I, I have a hard time sympathizing. But wait, we what do you think? Open he, heart here. I'd also be looking over my shoulder that Archie Solis might be looking for the rematch, not realizing it's not the real Canelo, and then he get knocked out, right? <laughs> That's true. There are dangers. And also, you never know, Nacho Beristain might show up and just hit you with a baseball bat for the hell of it. Yes. 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 Um, 
so it's weird. Haney's already making weird leaps, Rafe. Now this fight was a headlining opportunity on the zone, so which means it's you know it's not for because the, it's not it for supposed the... to be an undercard fight, of course. But our our guy, our guy, I am feel Mr. Double Kebab Alexander Usyk was not exactly. able to make his pro debut at the at, at headlining this card because of bicep injury. So not only does Haney live up to the headline opportunity by giving you that spectacular performance, but in theory, only the the regular fan the regular fans wouldn't get to see this fight. You are the boxing hardcore. You're not regular fans. The hardcores have disowned, yet guess where I was this weekend? Getting rock lobster sunburned at my son's Memorial Day soccer tournament, just sitting out in the sun under suntan, I mean under lotioned up, not I, I pumped it more I didn't pump it enough, is really where we're going with this. And dad's coming up to me going, oh, hey, you're the, you're the boxing dad, right? Guess what? I read this great story on this young prospect. He's only 20 years old. He built his name on social media. He went to Mexico to grab all these fights. Man, this guy, this kid really looks like something. I'm going, what? Rafe, you expect people to come over and be like, hey, are Floyd and Manny going to rematch? Hey, uh, maybe, maybe I stumbled into that, uh, Heard Williams fight of the year on Fox when I was looking for King of the Hill. No. People talking about Devin Haney, Rafe. Do they do they ever say, Hi, are you the nice gentleman that interviews the boxers in the afternoon on the Fox? Uh no, 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 no. That's not that's not the way people do it. Folks, that's not the way men do it. No, not at all. So Rafe, uh let's get into your hot your hotness here. Your well your yeah. well, well you're taking. I'm not trying to get that deep into your hotness, but Rafe you're saying, look, from the eye test, and that's all we can do with these prospects right now, that Teo was the darling of our uh, of our tips, if you will, just for a second, just to see how it feels. This is the guy that we're like, if this guy's going to – if anybody could walk into a Vasily Lomachenko match ill-advised this early in his career, good Lord, maybe this guy has the talent, the chutzpah to do this. You're saying you think Haney right now is visually ahead of this man. Explain why, because Teo seems to jump off the screen as having everything. It's like this, Brian. Devin Haney has a back foot game. No, no, it's not. He does, and I was impressed by it. But I think the defense he was flashing, the way he was making Moran miss and countering that style seems to me like it – I can see how that scales up to higher and higher level opponents. He's not just blasting through older opponents. Now, this might be I know less about Moran. Moran, yes, as, as Grisham was calling him. Maybe that's how the family pronounces it, but, but, but please deal with me here. The difference between Haney, what Haney's doing and what Teofimo is doing to me is that Haney's style scales up a little bit better. I think it's the kind of style that will succeed against better and better world-class level opponents. He's, he's already using that defense. We, we don't, we haven't had to watch Teofimo Lopez really use his defense because he's just blowing guys out and his explosiveness is just too much for the level of opposition he's been fighting against. So maybe, maybe, you know, he may, it, that could very well be there and we just haven't, he hasn't gotten a reason to show it to us yet. And that's fine. You do what you got to do to win the fight. Beat the guy in front of you, right? If you can beat rock hard Mason Menard <laughs> in 20, in, in, in a minute with a beautiful one shot knockout that has him falling face flat on the canvas, you can't really criticize that. But I guess that fight from Haney showed wrinkles that made me think, okay, this guy is not, just he's doing he's really operating 
at a very, very high level, and he could get into a fight against a guy who's going to give him something to think about and figure out a way to beat that opponent. Now, maybe Teofimo is such an overwhelming force of nature right now that he doesn't, he won't need to figure that out about himself for a long time. But it's the kind of, it's the classic who's going to win, the boxer or the puncher. I think that Haney has that next, next level boxing, that, that, that elusiveness, that ability to, to hit and not get hit at the very highest levels. And I don't know if I've seen that from Lopez yet. That's interesting. I'm just really excited that when the, when the clouds start to clear, and you start to see who's coming in this sport. It gets you so excited because look, we're, we're trying to get, and in some ways we're trying to get Manny and Floyd out of there for the next era. Now, now Manny's still lingering, but he's putting on rel, you know, fights we need to see, fights that matter. Obviously he's going to be fighting Keith Thurman on July 20th. We care about that. We certainly have what looks to be a potentially historic group of welterweight stars right now. We just want them all to fight each other and they, they seem to be. But when you now have a group Rafe that have next, that look that exciting and explosive. And yes, right now they're lingering around lightweight, but I think, you know, you talk to them and, and, and it's obvious as they mature, guys like Devin Haney and Teofimo Lopez are going to be welterweights in the future. And these guys are Americans. It's, it gets you a little bit more excited, Rafe, because we got to give credit to our Eastern European brethren. They've sort of carried this sport the last few years in the interim, but to get young American stars who seem to have the it factor inside the ring and potentially out of it. And then you get to start doing these fantasy matchups of what about three, four years from now, are we going to get a prime De La Hoya prime Trinidad type built for one of these fights? Rafe, I'm fired up. I'm feeling it right on. Yeah. Yeah. You should be. That guy looked awesome. He looked dynamite. Now, I don't know if we need to get quite as excited over these fights with uh, Philip Hergovich and uh, Michael Hunter. Some nice knockouts. Uh, those guys, they were fighting. Um, I, yeah. I don't have a whole lot to say about Hunter them. sent Fabio Maldonado, the former UFC fighter, to hail. Um, Hunter doesn't look like he has it, Rafe. Am I wrong? Am I rude? I know Usyk solved him, but I just don't see a lot that I love. Wait and see. Let him fight some guys. He's going to get some opportunities there. That's that's sort of the beauty of having three very good heavyweights who all need uh, opponents because they won't fight each other. Some of these guys on the next level are going to get a chance to show something. And Hunter is a different wrinkle for for heavyweight. Yes, Usyk could outbox him, but I think at this point we we give guys credit for having gone 12 rounds with Alexander Usyk, like Michael Hunter did, and. Hunter's 4-0 right now at heavyweight. He's knocked, he's knocked out four not very good heavyweights. He's quick. He can box for the weight. That's kind of going to be his, what sets him apart. Now, can he do it against the biggest of those guys without getting hurt, without, you know, without losing those fights? I don't know, but shoot, I, he. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. And he's only about what, 215? I don't know. I don't see either explosive power or overwhelmingly slick boxing game to give me full confidence that he can be anything but an opponent in the future. But hey, he's an American. Let's see what happens there. I do give these guys, these regular, as Dwyer would say, sized heavyweights. I give them a lot of credit, Ray, for trying to compete in this super heavyweight era. I mean, we can bring in T-Street for a second. These guys have balls. They need them to come in as a modern-day heavyweight at only like 6'1", 215, and try to compete. Inside that big scrotum, scrotum is huge, huge testicles. He's got real big balls. He, he may, Rafe. And what did you like from uh, Philip Ergovic, the Croatian? Did he take a step forward in your eyes this weekend? 
I, who is he fighting? I, 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 Gregory Corbin. Ty, I, I want to say Tyrone Corbin, but I'm sure it was not. Um, unless he was fighting someone on the, on the Utah Jazz in the 1990s. Um, oh man. He looked fine. He, he was like a one shot, one early knockout. We hit him one, hit the guy once, uh, and he went face down into a rope and rolled around a little bit, complained that he got stopped. And that was the end of the story. Uh, Hergovic has power, but let's see. They'll start stepping him up and we'll find out. How, how real it is yeah that's true uh also this past weekend rave we had a pbc on fox card it was saturday night it was on fs1 and it was a junior middleweight bout between former champion austin trout former title contender terrell gaucher both had of course lost to Arislandi lara both really find themselves in a hot division meaning the winner of that fight would have really put themselves in line for a title shot considering PBC has every junior middleweight of note, not named Jaime Munguia. And we talked about coming in. I refereed that face-to-face, PBC face-to-face on Fox episode of them, where I thought they surprised me at sort of the dislike between them, the confidence that both would go out there and win. Austin Trout, never a big puncher, saying, I'm going to come out and knock you out, and then I'm going down to welterweight to do business. We even got this weird soundbite from Terrell Gaucher. To, uh, what he, how he come out, because I know how I'm coming. You know how I'm coming. There ain't gonna be enough. You bro. know how I'm coming, bro. In and out. I'm gonna beat you, you inside and outside, man. You know how I'm coming. Rafe, I thought I knew how he was coming. Just the and raw then, dog? Is it the raw dog? This ain't Birdo. And then they got in the ring and look, it wasn't an awful fight. It turned out to be a tentative technical fight though. And it goes down as a draw. It's Gaucher winning a very wide, uh, scorecard. It's Trout getting a very close scorecard in his favor, and then it's a draw for a split draw. And it was one of those, Rafe, where you watch that fight, you look back on it. I think O'Shea kind of got the raw dog when it comes to the scoring. I thought he had done enough in a fight that did not live up to the potential, not necessarily action, because we have skilled guys, they're not action guys, but it seemed like there was enough at stake here for them to go for it. Neither really went for it. No, and that... I can't say I'm surprised, just not, not because they don't want to win. They're not fighting hard. Of course they are, but the styles of, of these two fighters is not, is just such that they're, it's very hard to get something explosive out of the two of them when they're in the ring against each other. And Austin Trout, if he gets a, if, if this draws a little bit of a gift for him, you know what? Good for him. He's had some tough breaks over the years. He's not always gotten his, a fair shake on the scorecards. Uh, did, if this is him getting a little bit of a, a, a nudge from, from the boxing gods, then, then that's okay with me. He's, yeah. he's our guy. We're all part of the bath staff. All right. <laughs> Hit me up. I'll be in the tub. You know, we're ready for an interview. That was sad when we had him on that time and we brought up the bath staff and I wanted him to like have fun with it and make fun of it. But then he sounded like shamed. He was like, yeah, that was my sister's show. Yeah. I, well, know I didn't know I that. Did. I didn't know the background there. It's too bad. Yeah. I mean, and plus it was funny, man. I got, we got nothing against the bath staff. That, that's an, immortal moment by revisit that collaboration in my i just assumed something was going on underneath the bubbles and then his response made me not want to know or care and i felt bad but uh it's weird that you mentioned the boxing gods and he had been on the wrong end of a lot of close decisions he had really seemed to push a lot of prime junior middleweights and now he sort of gets a pass with this draw to yet again move on and maybe be a you know, a B-side against a younger guy rising, get another title shot, whatever. I guess nobody really loses from this, but nobody really wins either. Rafe, the way boxing works, do you think both guys end up getting title shots after this? 
As a matter of fact, Brian, I think that is very likely, or at least we'll get decent opportunities, and it does preserve their names for the next fight, whatever that is. It kind of reminds me of the Devin Alexander-Victor Ortiz draw, where like everyone was like, huh? It looked like Devin did enough in that one. But then both guys... Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you here, Ray. For fighting through the audio difficulties this week, we know we have a lot of listeners, and by a lot of listeners, I mean one, who came out at us on Twitter, very vocal, said, I can't live like this. I can't listen to your show if you can't hear Rafe. Well, look, we're trying. We're trying to bring you this audio. We're trying to bang. We're analyzing the tip. We're trying to figure out just for a second what's going wrong. We will move forward on this. Rafe, there was also big business, it seemed, not big business, but a good story at the very least on this ESPN card. I'll give ESPN credit. They do a decent job of at least letting you know that this that there's going to be a fight on, whether you care about the fight or not. They have, of course, that sports ticker, bottom line, lower third thing that's always on with the scores. And, Rafe, have you noticed that? I'm going to say like 75% of the time I turn on ESPN for any reason, there's a little top rank bubble on the bottom right of the screen on that lower third telling me that there's a fight this weekend. I, I feel like that has to help something, right? Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we saw, <laughs> great. Thank you. Uh, we saw Judge Ito this Saturday defend his, uh, is this junior lightweight, Rafe? Yes, it is. 130. 130 title against the fighting Marine, Jamel Herring, the former Olympian, I believe, has a good backstory. Can you fill in the people who are not woke to Kriegel's uh, father story here? Um, so, the, the, of course, it's Memorial Day weekend. Uh, top rank very wisely puts on Jamel Herring, uh, the fighting Marine, did two tours in Iraq. Uh, great story, you know, on the broadcast. They did a good job showing, having him talk about his experience, you know, as a, as a gunner on one of those Humvees on convoys where he's talking about being a sitting duck out there for snipers and seeing, uh, seeing, seeing other, other cars ahead of them in a con, in convoys getting, you know, hit by improvised explosive device. Really, really, diff, really, really powerful, scary stuff that comes with, with, uh, with warfare and, yeah. and also talking about going through post-traumatic stress, all that from his military career. And then on top of that, he tells a story of going through, um, you know, seeing his, his, uh, second child, his daughter, be born in 2009, and and um, you know have her her pass away just a few months later. Uh, so you know, it's a, Herring is a guy who's been through a lot, who's easy to get behind, top rank. You know, got a lot of credit this weekend for uh, building him. Yeah, tell uh, him as a guy who lost a couple fights, was already 30, had nothing left. But no, they saw him as a guy who had a you know had a boxing pedigree uh, and. and they knew how to maneuver him into a, a title shot like this one, and it, it worked out perfectly according to plan. Now, honestly, Brian, the the lineage of this title is nothing, nothing, not all that special. It was one of the 130 pound titles that Vasily Lomachenko vacated. Uh, Christopher Diaz, who we later saw lose to Shakur Stevenson and Masayuki Ito, fought for it the vacant last year. Ito who's just an athletic, kind of rough, not very skilled fighter, managed to out, you know, out, out fight Diaz in that one and went particularly um, 
impressive names on their resumes before or after. The defense was against some other dude I never heard of. They were fighting guys with 15 losses before they're fighting for a title. Um, it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors, but it, if it leads to this uh, this shot for Herring where you see him rise up and and come in as an underdog and pull off a really smart performance outbox the 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 guy who who people thought was this explosive dangerous puncher over 12 rounds and win this title on Memorial Day weekend that's uh, we can salute to that yeah it's it, they make it hard for you i mean look we said last week we really weren't that into this fight did you you care i don't think we cared coming in when you tell Jamel Herring's story like that and you commit those resources, whether you're doing a Kriegel written feature, you're doing those good video packages that ESPN does, man, they make you care. And, you know, whatever you think about the lineage of this WBO junior lightweight title, Jamel Herring came in there and, and did the business, got a win, got became a champion. And for everything he's been through, man, you're cheering for him. It was one of those feel-good boxing moments. So shout-out to ESPN for making that happen, setting that stage. Shout-out to Jamel Herring to get the win. Were you impressed, though, Rafe, ultimately, by how he outpointed Ito and whether Herring can be a factor at 130? I think the jury is still out. Yes, it was impressive how he outpointed Ito because – look, Ito – Christopher Diaz is not a a bad opponent, and we saw Ito really – cleanly clearly beat him and and Ito is not even though he's he's crude and and a little and fairly one-dimensional with that sort of very fast explosive straight right or or overhand right hand um that outside of that he he doesn't have a lot to his game but he he delivers it very fast he saw Ito reminded me of an orthodox extremely z-grade Manny Pacquiao back in the day before (laughs) Manny you know, expanded his game and became a more well-rounded fighter. I think the difference there is that Ito obviously does not have quite as much power. Sure. I can get back. I can get behind that. He could, he could get away with being totally one-dimensional and beating greats like, like Marco Antonio Barrera, just because it was like they had that fast and powerful come at them. Whereas Ito had, has some of that speed, but obviously when he landed it against Herring, even it wasn't doing enough to win the fight or change the fight for him. And Herring was smart, stayed out of the way, saw when Ito was telegraphing it and just, you know, won the fight with his jab. And then in the later second half of the fight, then he started committing to some more combinations, working the body really well, and just having a clear cut points victory. Now, Miguel Burchelt was in the audience and he Ooh. was there saying he wants the winner. So if they make that right away or not, if that eventually leads to Herring Burchelt, I don't know if Herring has enough ammo to, to, to one outbox Burchelt like that because Burchelt is fast. He can box. He's no, he's no dummy. And he's a, he's a, just a, he, he fights with a lot of energy and, and I like Burchelt is a really, really good fun offensive fighter to watch and I think I think he would be too much for Herring but this fight makes it credible this fight does make me want to see how Burchelt does against a guy who's going to try to neutralize him a little bit like Herring could and the other thing we now know about Herring is that he's training with Bud he's training with Bomac he's got Omaha Nebraska in his corner now too and those guys really prepare well. They give you – you, we saw the game plan that he executed against Ito. Will they have a kind of game plan to neutralize a fighter on an even higher level like Burchell? you got to give him a chance in that. 
Yeah, you do. Uh, this is going to be interesting. We know one thing, uh, as Dwyer said in the past, what Miguel has. Danny has a stick. Well, Miguel has a stick, but even more importantly, like you laid out, he's got that fire. He's going to come at you. He's going to make you try to make you quit. Now, Rafe, are you okay? I saw a little exchange you had on Twitter. Are you okay with Ito bringing a gavel to the weigh-in as a gimmick, the judge, uh, th- like, you're questioning online whether this guy even knows what's happening here. So they just put this in his hand and say, hey, this is good. This is your character. Go with it. This is like 1994 WWF. You'll be the garbage man. Oh, no, you over there, you're the insurance agent, you're the plumber, and you're the judge. Look, do I, I do I think it's a little bit corny? That, like, what are the chances? Masayuki Ito is Japanese. He's not spent a ton of time in the United States uh, outside of his boxing career. He's a young man. He's in his 20s. Is there any chance he followed the O.J. Simpson trial and knows who Judge Lance Ito is? <laughs> I'm guessing the answer is no. But but I was uh, top ranks finest. Evan Korn, the corner man, hit me up on Twitter right away let, and, and explained that, yeah, of course, the idea came from outside, came about how to sell him to to the American fan base. Um, but – they said, you know, Masayuki was in on the joke. He figured it out. He thought it was hilarious. He said, "Hell, let's go with it. I'm the judge." Now, uh, a bigger problem with, than a than a nickname that people may have mixed feelings about is losing this fight. Now, we're, we're, that that's a bigger problem for him than the nickname. Rafe, well, not to sound forty and washed here, but you know, I mean, some of this is true. Do the youngsters not realize, Rafe, what we lived through with the OJ trial? How damn compelling that was and how they put cameras right in the courtroom daily and it became this mini series that everybody watched and it had these insanely, uh, interesting characters from Kato Kalen to all these aggressive lawyers that like, I don't know if there will ever be a thing like that rave. And maybe it was the perfect timing in the nineties before the internet explosion long before there were too many options to watch. Yeah. It wasn't like when our parents were growing up and they had three channels and everybody saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, but it was still a time where if something was that big happening, millions would tune in Rafe, I watched that crap every single day. I, I, my father was videotaping the, the trials to watch, the trial to watch later in the day. I, in Spanish class in eighth grade, where, and, and we stopped to let a girl with a, with a radio Walkman listen to the verdict live oh, and no read way. it out loud. And, and, and which created an awkward moment where there was a very, where, I mean, look, this is, we know the, the history of the OJ trial and, and all the issues of race it, it, it brought up. You had a very, in my, in my classroom, you know, like a sort of half and half where like all the black students jump up and like, yeah, <laughs> and everyone else is looking around like for real. And I mean, I, we, win. Kids, we what didn't do we win, that much. Right. I mean, right. Chris Rock, right? jumping up cheering just to be a fool, but like, um, yeah, it was it, it was a moment. So that's weird. I was a senior in high school. I had a, a last period accounting class, Mr. Fran, shout out. And uh they put it on TV, Rafe. We got to pause class to watch the verdict. And Rafe, unlike your situation, everyone in the class cheered. I'll never forget this. Rafe, I think it's because we were teens. Yeah, I came from a dirtbag town. It's, it was sort of counterculture to cheer for villains. I think that's why the rise of, of WCW and NWO and pro wrestling came back in and Hulk Hogan turned bad and all this stuff. Wow, talking about race right there. But uh Rafe, do you believe what I'm saying? Every single person in the class cheered. We didn't either realize that he was guilty or care enough, Rafe. Can you explain psychologically what we were doing? What were we cheering for? 
Well, I mean, I, I, I jumped up and cheered too, just for the same exact reason, just because it's like, oh my god, we, we won! I can't believe it. This is ridiculous. And you're, yeah, you're, you're a teenager. You're basically just want to do the opposite of whatever the right thing is in any given situation, uh, as long as it doesn't get you into too much trouble. And this was a, a perfect opportunity for that to just stand up and be like, yeah, all right. I don't know what I'm cheering for. Yeah, um, we win. What do we win? Uh, it was, you know, when you do go back and watch. I, I don't know if you've watched that ESPN mini, uh, you know that. Long documentary. Oscar that, winning, yeah. Um, I did watch a good amount of that. Man, does, as an adult, does that turn your stomach and be like, wow. I mean, I think at that point in 95, I'm still like, man, I loved OJ in the Naked Gun. I want to see him come out and make another sequel. Nowadays, as an adult, you're like, good lord, is that man grossly guilty? And this show is kind of gross, right? I, yeah, I'm, but I, I don't know, man. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world. I feel like <sighs> OJ probably lives in a hell of his own making. Even if he's free, I, I'm sure that doesn't really uh, satisfy the Goldman family, and, and nor should it necessarily. But what I don't know, man. I stuff is too complicated to all figure out. You know, nothing, nothing's all right, nothing's all wrong. We're all, we're all, we're all going somewhere. We are, we are. You know, some people can only see what they want to see. I'm right, Charles, to the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Rafe, we were in the middle of talking about Ido Herring. We move on from there. Anything else on the ESPN card? Can we yeah, pop corner man right Sniper, here? What else Jose Pedraza. Beat some, uh, Lazada was his, was his last name. Uh, tall game pressure fighter from Mexico. Uh, and Pedraza looked like, again, he looked really good. Lazada was a very determined opponent, not particularly skilled, but in his face, trying to get in his for nine rounds and and pedraza picked him apart fought inside fought with a ton of confidence brian he seems like he may have grown from his experience in the ring with vasily lomachenko that he the confidence he got over fighting well even though he was basically nearly shut out and knocked down twice in that amazing 11th round uh Pedraza I think really he he was even doing some of those footwork shifts a la Lomachenko not as fast not as clean but you could see he actually seems to have developed from that and that's all yeah I'm with you on that and 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 grow and and look like a really dangerous fighter for anyone who's not Lomachenko at 135 and he's talking about maybe 140 after that wow you know I thought Triple G was getting in that ass we don't talk enough about good stories like this where people learn from losses and get better when he gets sent to hell by Tank Davis we all go okay he's found his ceiling then he moves up to 35 and we're like oh maybe a little desperation can he be the same fighter there then he gives Loma all he can handle and by the way there's a hipster argument out there that he wasn't making that fight difficult for Loma, that it wasn't that good of a fight. All those people can go to hell, brother. That was a good fight. He made it tough. And now you're saying from that loss, he's still getting better. Yeah. I think so, Brian. I really think so. And the one thing thing I like about Pedraza, and I I think this is actually a weakness for him as a fighter, and I saw it a little bit in this Lozada fight, was that he has a style of – competitiveness machismo where he almost wants to he sees he can read his opponent's game and then tries to beat him at his own game which he was able to pull off against Lozada and looked great doing it but you think well god if he were in there against a heavier handed little bit more 
polished pressure fighter, would this be a smart thing to do for a guy who can also move and box and, and use footwork and head movement? You know, is, is, is Pedraza taking more punishment than he needs when, when he's going in there with that spirit of basically, I'm going to, I mean, that kind of thinking, if, if it played a role in his game plan against Gervonta Davis, where he just was like, let's, you know, like, you hit me, I'll hit you, yeah. and got knocked out, like, that clearly didn't work in that situation. I am more man. I have bigger huevos. Wow, it'd be interesting to see him at 140. We know top rank doesn't have a ton of names in the 40-47 area. They're going to need opponents for the guys they do have. We know uh guys like... Teofimo will be rising soon. He's not going to be at 35 much longer. I'm just saying, Rafe, that'd be interesting. That's the kind of yeah. veteran you want to test your young man with. Now, that would be a serious fight, I think. And, and also, what that's the thing. There's no rush for Jose Pedraza to go to 140 unless he can't make 135. He's a, he's a, it's a bit of a, a tall drink of water for the lightweight division. Yes, yes. All right, Rafe, we're going to put a, uh, a bonnet on the weekend that was. Thank you for pers- persevering through audio issues. Thank you to the listeners for doing the same. I want to get into a little bit of news here before we throw it over to Chris Algeri. Right now, he's warming up. He's excited. He's ready to come out. He's going to be on our show. We want we want to have him. But I still got him in a cage. He listens to me very well. I'm going to let him loose. Very, very soon. Thank you, Tim Lane. Uh, latest news, Rafe. Did you pop like I did when we expect nothing on pay-per-view undercards these days? Really, we expect nothing. And Fox pay-per-view July 20th, Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman for Thurman's WBA welterweight title. Pac has the junior belt. Who cares about that? This pay-per-view undercard is kind of hot right now, Rafe. Let me read it to you, and you tell me. You grade it. You tell me whether you got the feels, all right? Co-main event, welterweight title eliminator, or your Dennis Ugas against unbeaten Omar Figueroa Jr., We've got all action Sergey Lipinets in a welterweight bout against John Molina Jr. And then we have the previously announced white on white crime of Caleb Plant defending his super middleweight title against Subway's Mike Lee. Rafe, rate, rate it. Tell me it. Speak it. I, I don't, what are you smoking, man? None of these fights are good. Get the hell out of here, Rafe. We get Omar nothing. Figueroa, Omar Figueroa is a blown up lightweight who keeps getting draws when he doesn't deserve them or uh, and hasn't looked good in however many fights. What, he beat John Molina in the last one because John Molina hasn't looked good in Rafe, six years. Rafe, Ugas is going to get in that you, ass. John Molina's on his card, too. It's 2019. Boxers should be sleeping with women, not fighting these garbage fights. I beat Polly. I left with his belt and his girl. Rafe, let me t- tell. Well, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't, you know. Uh, Rafe, let me tell it to you like this, okay? What do we always get on these underguards? Crap. Sometimes we're lucky that we get like a Gervonta, but he's fighting like Francisco. In what Francisco. Do you think you're not getting that here, Brian? I we're not getting it here, okay? Because Caleb Plant and Mike Lee is interesting at the very least. Flipping that's Molina's gonna be freaking war, Rafe. That's a FS1 main event waiting to happen, and Ugas unbeaten Figueroa. Not only is it interesting, but the idea of the winners, if it's Ugas and Lipinets, could end up facing off. That's a fun fight. I like what we're getting here. They're giving, I think they're giving fans who are on the fence that like boxing and know these names reasons to buy this card. I'm not coming at you as a guy who cashes PBC checks, although I do with Fox. I'm coming at you as a fan. This entertains me, Rafe. Are we drawing a line between us, you and I, as boxing friends and boxing fans? I thought Boobs Brazil was a decently credible b-side in 2019 no. you're telling me he's trash brother is there are we where are we as friends right now rafe because i like to live in a world 
with low expectations on a pay-per-view undercard where they give me Ugas Figueroa and Lipinets Molina. I like it, Rake. Rake. Rakey. Put it in my veins. Whatever works, man. Ah, Brian, I I just don't see where you're coming from with these. I I am – I'm not excited to see many of these guys fight. You got one. Uh, the A sides in this one are all strong fighters in their divisions. Obviously, Caleb Plant has has a belt coming off that exciting win against uh, against Uzkategi and fighting the subway pitchman. You know the non pedo one, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then. And then these other guys who, you know, Figueroa and Molina, who they're fun fighters, but they, they haven't, they haven't come through in the ring in a long time. Look, I, I guess they Rafe, could, the Molina best case scenario, they could be fun fights, hell. right? They want a war. Lipinets and, and Molina will, will bang it out. That could be fun. But all you can hope for is maybe some good entertainment. And, and, and honestly, I think they might not come through because they haven't even been delivering on that oh my God, in a, Rafe. in a few fights. Rafe, seriously, seriously. I mean, are you with oh, me the as way, a fan you keep, here? You you keep teasing the bag. You keep teasing the boob on on Brazil here, <laughs> and let me break that down for you. Well, I get the milk, right. Rafe. Will I get the milk? Will I? You yeah. You you go. Yeah, a little bit of fun with the bag. I mean, seriously, where are we going here? It, yo, you keep teasing the boob on this one. It, look at look, revisit his box rec page. His best wins are when he went life and death against Amir Mansoor. Maybe only one because Mansoor suffered a gruesome tongue injury that was bleeding into his mouth and forced him to retire. And and against uh, Ize Ugona, that guy. That was a brawl. That was a brawl, right? If you're going life and death with that guy, how did you get two title shots? You got he has no good wins. Because he we're didn't in the suit. he all he did was get his ass beat by AJ, and that's why he got the opportunity to get his ass beat by Deontay Wilder. Because we're in the super heavyweight era, and he has both a punch and an okay chin, and he's six seven, and he beats all the guys to get in line. Okay, maybe he didn't look like a superstar beating Rivas and Mansoor, but guess what? In exciting fights, he won those. He's not Burt Cooper or Ray Mercer, but again, in 2019, where it's top-heavy, we're so excited that we have three legitimate, exciting heavyweights and another two or three that are pretty damn good. This guy is the B-class, Rafe. He's a B-class heavyweight in 2019. It is what it is, okay? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying, okay? I'm feeling it, all right? I am feeling it. Wow. Wow. It is hot. Yeah. Wow. It is good. Yeah. Going back. You're excited. I'm excited. Rafe, one more quick question for you on Caleb Plant. Did you get a chance to watch those uh, the press conferences they had for Pac Thurman and also Caleb Plant and Mike Lee got a big push on those press conferences? Caleb Plant was like cutting life-or-death promos about the struggle and about how he plans to knock Mike Lee out. I was kind of pro-wrestling into it. He's intense, Rafe. I think I love me some Caleb Plant. Can you put me in line? Yeah, nothing wrong with with loving you some Caleb Plant. One, the guy can box. He's he's a legit fighter. He is. He's got a back foot. True. Might even. Yeah. He is defensively blessed. Um. And yeah, those were strong. Those were powerful comments. He was laying into it. He's laying it on a little thick. But yeah, that stuff works. That promo stuff works. And it almost felt like he was given he was given uh Mike Lee a little bit of that Sean Porter treatment telling him you ain't cuz you not and you won't cuz you ain't. Wow. Wow. 
Wow, love that. Love that. Uh, Rafe, I do have to say, you said he's defensively blessed. I don't disagree. Do you think he's domestically blessed? I wish him all the best with his newlywed wife, uh, Jordan Hardy, of course, of the PBC and Fox. Does a great job in... All right, that's very, that's very PC of you. That's very PC. Uh, that's, that's all I have to say. Good right. for them. It's a great, great... All right. I'm not, I'm not asking about risk. I'm not going in that direction. Okay. Rachel Donaire is a very beautiful woman. That's all, that's all, that's all we're saying here, Rafe. All right. We got to roll on. We got to keep going. A little bit of other news. Rafe, if you go on the boxing scene, you'll usually see interesting headlines. This week on boxing scene, Anthony Joshua says he's in New York, of course, to, to hype this weekend's fight. Me and Wilder should sit down face to face and make a deal. And he basically says, if that happens, I guarantee we make a deal. So, Rafe, what Anthony Joshua is saying is if we can get all these cooks out of the kitchen that makes boxing difficult, that makes the fights we want to see not happen, all these networks, promoters, managers, agents, advisors, if we can get them all out of the way and we can actually get AJ and Wilder in the same room? Anthony Joshua. That we can make a fight, Rafe. This sounds too logical, right? Well, it sounds too logical, and I'm sure he's right because those two guys would be – it would be very easy for them to agree, oh, how much money you want to make, man? Oh, I want to make this much. How much you want to make? Oh, I'll make that. Oh, shoot. Well, if we can make that much money, let's just fight. That makes a lot of sense. But you know what? That ain't the real world, Brian. Do you know where the money comes from? It comes from all the jerks in suits who control the money. <laughs> and you know what? They're going to fight and haggle back and forth until they may, they know they're getting as much as they want out of it because you know what matters to them? The money, not the fans. And that's life. That, that, that's the truth in everything around us. So yeah, does it suck sometimes? It sucks a lot of the time, but that's that. That's the world that they got to deal with. They're not dealing with a face to face. Oh, let's go have a fair one together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go box for three rounds. Let's have a spar. No, no. they're not going to see each other man to man alone until they're in the ring together yeah. in like 2025. Unfortunately, yeah, you say let's have a spar. You're thinking hashtag Campbell wise. By the way, Rafe, I will tell you from my brief experience there back in the boxing gym, gloves on, working the jab, hitting the bat, oh, all that stuff. Rafe. Fatigue does, it really does make cowards of us all, Rafe. There's that scary feeling when you no longer can lift your arms because you're so fatigued, Rafe. That's why me planting these seeds on day one-ish to wise that I'm washed. Rafe, at 40, can I turn this around? You know my diet. Can I build a gas tank before the end of 2019, Rafe? I need you as my trainer, as my advisor, as my own Al Heyman. I need you to be honest with me, Rafe. Can I get enough stamina built in knowing my deficiencies as a human between now and the end of 2019 to not only survive but thrive against wise tell me the truth well as your trainer brian i'm telling you of course you can you got to get up early you got to work hard you got to fix your diet you got to commit to this you got to put your balls on the line Who all right else? otherwise you may lose your whole soul that's wow. the stakes of this game i know this game you got to listen to me when i tell you brian however as an analyst i would say no, you can't do any of those things. You are making a huge mistake, and you should jack as soon as possible. I'm telling the truth. I won't back down from what I say from no man or kiss no man's ass. Me ever. I stand right exactly where John Fury is standing, and I'm okay with that, Rafe. You can't force stuff on me. Eddie Earn's got a man crush on me. Wow. That's all it is. So when somebody fancies somebody... They, they do nasty things to them all the time and they talk shit about them. So whenever you see Eddie Earn saying they, all the bullshit about me, yeah, and then you get me responding back to him, 
because he I've, because he's got a man crush on me, and he obviously fancies me, doesn't he? Wow, Rafe, that's from the uh, pillow talk between Tyson Fury and uh, Michelle Joy Phelps. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, Rafe, I'm never jacking. I'm not backing down. I won't give up. I'll be there until I can't breathe. And do you have any comments on this uh, Eddie Hearn and Fury constant war of words? Doesn't it feel like just Hearn wishes he was promoting Fury right now? A little bit, and I kind of. I feel like if Eddie wanted him that bad, he could have paid him what he wanted. Yes, um, yes. I'm not very keen on sucking Tyson Fury's nuts. Well, you could be promoting him if you paid him, right? That's the horny exclusive, Rafe. I mean, seriously. Suck my nuts. <laughs> you ain't doing it. So... Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Rafe, that's enough. Enough nonsense. I hope you're still with me. I hope you can still hear me. Other news this week, Rafe. Oh, by the way, one more, one more mm. comment. One more uh. comment on Brando Wise, my opponent here, Rafe. All right. Oh my God. One more thing. Um, we did a lot of drunken um measurements. Okay. Not, well, I was going to say some drunken wrestling or something. You not know? Those, like, I know, I know how it goes sometimes. You no, get a not slippage. Not those type of measurements, Rafe. No, no analyzing here. You know what I'm saying? It's not the way men do it. I have a group of analysts who receive the tip. Not that tip. Uh, we did length, Rafe, from the armpit to the fist. I'm only down about a half inch. I may be giving that guy two to three inches in height, only about a quarter inch in reach. But that man's fist compared to mine, it does kind of look like those old Andre the Giant pictures when he picks up a beer can and it looks like he's got like a pebble in his hand. You know what I'm saying? So so basically you're fighting Primo Carnera and – he is uh, three inches longer than you. Is yes, what you're telling me. yes. So, uh, well, but the reach is very close. So, stay with me, folks. Just, just believe in miracles. Old people can do things. All right. Thank you, Rafe. In the news, your boy, the towering inferno, six foot seven welterweight Sebastian Fundora from Argentina, will headline a June twenty first Showbox triple header in Sloan, Iowa. Brother, this is what you've been waiting for. You're you're not playing, man. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the Showtime Championship Boxing Podcast with Raskin and Mulvaney to break it down. Talk 6'7", 154-pound fighters to me. I want some of that. Please, please give it up. I like I – Fandora is you – you still look at him and think, okay, someday he's going to get folded in half. This just doesn't – this is not possible in boxing. However, he goes in there. You watch him fight. That guy goes in there and mixes it up. He doesn't even care about you. No, he don't care. He don't care. That guy just unloads. Is, is he Paul Williams-like in your eyes? I don't know if he has that kind of volume, that kind of endless Paul Williams energy when he was really in his at his bed. Right. Got power. All right. All right. Interesting. Also in the news, Top Rank. Shout out to Top Rank, man. Signing these young guys. Signing these guys that have bright futures. Two-time Cuban Olympic gold medalist. I I believe it's pronounced Robizy Ramirez. Signs a multi-year promotional deal with Top Rank. And the hook here, Rafe. The hook brings you back. That's what Blues Traveler taught me. That he's the guy who defeated Shakur Stevenson for the gold medal at the Olympics. Rafe, not only are we getting what? Michael Conlon coming up against that Russian guy, Patinkin, Mandy Patinkin, who forced the middle fingers out of him at the Olympics. If we can slow build toward Shakur Stevenson and the guy who beat him, I love storytelling, Rafe. I love me. I love, I love Mike Tyson, Rafe. I, <laughs> Mike Tyson, baby. Mike Tyson. Yeah, I love Mike Tyson too. I, yeah, this is great storytelling. Also, just on its own, being able to sign a two-time gold medalist, a guy, you know, even, even if, 
even if he's Cuban and and it makes the fans worry a little bit that he might be one of these pure Cuban technicians who isn't always exciting in the ring. Let, let's see him. Let's he's going. We know the talent is there. I, on its own, even without the storytelling, I would be excited about this. This is one of the top prospects in box, boxing. Yeah, I like this. Lot. Amateur prospect. What also kind of came out of this news in an interview with Bob Arum is he said he's no longer sort of setting up the idea of a long-range Shakur Stevenson-Mick Conlon bout, Rafe. Remember when they both turned pro with top rank, both in the same weight class? We've been talking about it for years, that that's the long-range play. Aram says no. And then our boy Adam Abramowitz tweeted that out, said good idea because Shakur would destroy him. And then did you see Conlon coming back at Abramowitz, talking about his hair, talking about his Canelo Jacobs scorecard? That was some interesting uh, uh, Twitter crimes. You, you down with that? I No, I don't. I, I... Speak it. You there? Speak it. Speak it. To I me. speak it. I speak it, Brian. But no, I'm not really down with this. I don't care about boxers beefing with our our pals our twitter friends i mean that's funny but this is not real news i mean come on what is i, I don't care what, what what mick conlin says to to, to adam abramowitz i mean who, who if they and and you know what if mick conlin ever gets himself into a position to fight Shakur stevenson then they'll start talking about making the fight again it's just yeah. they're on different paths right now right and robazi ramirez by the way will begin his training camp soon in mexico mexico Mexico, Mexico. All right, thank you, thank you, Dwyer. Thank you. Viva Dwyer. Viva La Dwyer. Yes, thank you so much, man. I love me, Rafe. It's time. It's time to get Dwyer on the show. It's time. We've we've debated it. We've thrown it around. We've we've analyzed the tip. We've teased the bag. We we we, to- we played with the bag. Are you ready for this or no? I don't have him waiting on hold. I'm not trying to surprise you right now with this is your life, Richard Dwyer. But are you ready for this? Yes or no? Don't fall in love, Brian, with a YouTube commenter who no longer exists. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. Oh, wow. You can hear more from Dwyer in his own favorites folder online. And also, please, if you're a big fan of crime. He belongs on my crime channel here on YouTube. All right. Rafe, it's time for Do You Care? But before we get there, let's bring in our guest of the week. Wow. I love this man. His name is Chris Algeri, former world champion, got a book coming out. He's an author. He also returns this weekend. It's Chris Algeri coming at you right now. Enjoy. Always excited on this show, CBS Sports, to get a chance to talk with the great Chris Algeri. Chris, we have a saying on this show, it's probably never a bad time to be Chris Algeri. But I got to say, next, you know, week to 10 days... What a time to be alive. You got a lot cooking on your plate. How you doing? Thanks for joining us, man. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. It's definitely a good time to be to be where I'm at right now. I'm very excited for what holds for what my future holds. You'll be back in the ring, of course, Saturday, June first, MSG, the American arrival of heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua on the zone. You'll be on that undercard against Tommy Coyle. And then just a few days later, June fourth, your book launches the Fighters Kitchen released through Penguin Books. Tell us about this project, Chris. I've been hearing about it through my good buddy Todd Grisham for a while. He's been like, hey, you're 40, you're washed, you need to get in shape. you got to get ready for Al Jerry's book. That's right. Well, the, well, the book can get you ready for, for that summer body, that's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this is, this is something, this is a project that I've been working on for, man, honestly, like four or five years. And then um, the guys from DK Publishing, uh, DK Publishing reached out to me, Penguin Random House, and they asked me if, if I wanted to author this book, and I said, 
I am way ahead of the game. I know I, I, I've been working on this for years. I'm ready to rock. Um, so now here it is. I mean, it, it, it's been it's come together. It's been a tremendous amount of work. Um, the experience is fantastic, and I'm super excited to have this out for, for the day. And if anyone doesn't know, of course, you have a master's degree in clinical nutrition. You've been doing a great job in both boxing and MMA in recent years when you haven't been in the ring by serving as a nutritionist for certain fighters. I mean, Daniel Jacobs obviously was a big one. He just had the huge fight with Canelo. From your point of view, since you've got the the the, the clinical side of the nutrition, but you've also been the athlete, what is the biggest mistake even elite fighters tend to make when it comes to the diet and the nutrition? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's, I would say that the top two are not eating and not drinking enough. So hydration and just and fuel. And that's the two most important things when it comes to performance nutrition. Um, a, a lot of, a lot of fighters live in such a catabolic state that we're always trying to lose weight. Um, going up in the scale is bad. Eating is bad. Gaining weight, drinking water is bad. You know, those things, those are, those are archaic and old. You've got to feed the machine. You've got to, you've got to be fueled for your workouts. You've got to rehydrate. You've got to recover. But I think even you guys at the, top, the highest level um, have had trouble with this. Yeah, no question. Now, the book's called The Fighter's Kitchen. Certainly fighters can can gain a lot from this. What can the average Joe gain from this book? It's honestly not really for the fighters. I mean, it can definitely help fighters, but it's, it's for everyday people. If you're interested in health and fitness and, and being healthy and cooking your own meals with, with food that you can find in your normal grocer, this is definitely the book for you. Now, you did pop me because on the cover – we got some avocados there. That had to be in the contract, right? If you're going to do a book, we got to put the avocados front and center. So me, uh, avocado growers in America have a deal in place. I have to mention them at least three to five times per five days. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, yeah, I love avocados. I love their health benefits. I love their flavor. I mean, and, and, and they make just look and taste great. Well, you were sort of like ahead of the game on that, at least in terms of the average Joe. We watched you, of course, you know, ahead of the big Manny Pacquiao fight on the HBO 24-7. Got to know you personality. Got to know your your love for nutrition. What is the the new superfood we need to wake up for? I mean, avocados are now a part of my regular trash diet. What should I be eating that I'm not right now, Chris? So the big thing that's going on right now is gut health. That's like that's everywhere. Everyone's talking about gut health, how how your metabolism, how your 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 immune system is affected by the gut. So gut health is a big one. So something I've really been dealing a lot with is is, is probiotic foods. And kimchi has been my 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 most recent add-on superfood that I think is just absolutely should be in everyone's diet. Ooh, tell me about that. What is that? So kimchi is basically a, it's a it's mostly found in a lot of Korean dishes. It's a, it's a fermented cabbage. Um, and it has a tremendous amount of probiotic benefits, uh, really good for gut health. Just gets all that bacteria, all the energy, all the nutrition that it needs, so it can, so that that bacteria can grow and do do all the wonderful things that it does for our body. Good stuff, good stuff, right there. I know you probably have a lot of like mottos we can gain from. You know, you can't what out train a diet. Muscles are built in the gym, but they're revealed in the kitchen. But Chris. What if I am an average Joe and a big boxing fan and a big Chris Algieri fan, but I'm like, hey, brother, I can't cook. I'm a hard-headed dude. Can this book still take me there? Oh, absolutely. A lot of the recipes in this book I made while in camp living in hotel rooms. I was, I was sitting there with a hot plate and a frying pan making a lot of these dishes. So if I can do it there, you guys can do it at home. I love that. I love that stuff. All right, we're going to see you back in the ring. Excited for that. You had a two-year break after that loss to Errol Spence. And by the way, let's remind fans, former world champion, three defeats in your career, all defeats against the very best in the welterweight division there. You're back down at 140, though. I want to start first with that two-year break after the Spence fight. What what caused that? What did you gain 
physically and mentally from being away? You know, I, I needed some time to rest. I needed some time to heal mentally, physically. Um, I had some knee injuries I needed to take care of, make sure that my body was, was primed and ready to go and perform at my, at my highest level. Um, so that time off was, was, was actually a blessing. I came back. I'm hungry as ever. I'm training super hard. Very excited to be back in camp, be back in the mix. And only, you know, only big things from here. You're back at 140. You got Tommy Coyle ahead of you on June 1st. MSG, I know Coyle's game. Great Britain, a banger. He's made plenty of fun fights in the past, whether it's against Michael Katsidis, Luke Campbell. What type of fight are you expecting here? Yeah, super exciting guy. Really excited for this fight. Um, this is the kind of fight that makes you, you know, you can go for a fight. So I'm really looking forward to putting on a great show. Uh, Tommy's going to be there. He trains super hard. I know he's going to be in fantastic shape. Um, he's going to bring his all, and I'm just looking forward to going out there and being who I am. If you get a victory here, this is three in a row since your comeback. How far away are you from getting right back into that title mix? We know you're a former WBO title holder at 140. Yeah, I think I'm right there. I think this year, you know, with a big win here and a good performance, I think that we're right there. I think we're, uh, we're in a great place to, to, to fight for a title for this year. That's exciting stuff. We know you, of course, your, your biggest breakthrough win was that title victory, 2014. Ruslan Provodnikov, one of those great blood and guts type of fights that just inspire you. Chris, when you go through a war with another man like that, and I'm thinking, you know, Gotti Ward, sometimes you just feel a kinship and a brotherhood that lasts a lifetime. I, I'm interested, how, how much in communication have you been with Ruslan from that fight? And is there sort of that natural, like, I know this man better than anybody else after that experience? Yeah, not, not, not too much, honestly. You know, just some comings and goings at events and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I believe that, that Ruslan's living in Russia now, so the opportunity to, to cross fans is not that often. Um, there's also language barriers. We don't have that. But, um, but I mean, there's, there's always a camaraderie with, with, with any high-level fighters. I see guys like Tim Bradley and Andre Ward on the regular. And, uh, yeah, we just, we just, you know, when you, when you fight guys and you know what it's like to fight people, um, you know, it, it's just different. We're, we're a very small population. Uh, we're less than 1% of people in the world, so that common bond. Absolutely. When you look at the run you had as a nutritionist on the high level, how much do you think that experience, uh, if any, kind of helps you in the fight game as well? You know, being in those camps behind the scenes with a guy like Daniel Jacobs. Well, I mean, it's been great to see how other guys do it, other high-level guys. And everyone's different. I, that, that was really the big eye-opener for me, how individualized, you know, this sport is, how each athlete is, how their, their approach to training is, um, and, and, and how their diet has to coincide. So it's definitely helped me to kind of, kind of loosen the reins on myself and not be so regimented and so hard on myself when it comes to making sure I have to do it this way because I've seen so many different ways it'd be done the right way, you know, and then work out. No doubt. Now, Chris, you're 35, but, you know, that break from the ring, you, you seem to be in, in, in top-level shape all the time. How much do you think about, though, life after boxing? I mean, we see you doing some broadcasting work in the recent years. We now see you putting out the book. you got the nutritionist side. Do you feel like you're in a as comfortable spot as possible for when the day is to hang up the gloves for the last time? You know, I can always be more comfortable, but this is something, this is stuff that I've been thinking about since day one. I've always thought, you know, uh, uh, you know, what's going to happen after boxing? I know I can't do this forever. Um, you know, I'd love to, but I just know that it's not, it's just not plausible. And I have to look at myself and, and, and look at my skills and my talents and what I can, I can give back. Um, and, and, and kind of get those ducks in a row before it's time to go whole hog and, 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 and start my, my next phase of my life. So 
but I feel I feel good about where I'm at right now, and I'm, uh, you know, and I'm I'm looking forward to, to taking that leap when when the time comes. Yeah, no question. And you're in a midst of a division now at 140 pounds that has changed its face over the last year. We just see some really close and fun fights in the World Boxing Super Series Tournament, which is, of course, now down to Regis Progre, Josh Taylor. That's in zone as well. We also have Jose Ramirez with a title at ESPN, Mo Hooker lingering around. What's your take on who could end up being the man when all is said and done? Who, If you look at climbing this ladder at 140 and regaining world titles, who's the biggest name you think you'll have to go through? You know, it's really hard to say right now. Everyone's, everyone's so young. It's such a young division. Um, you know, a lot of these guys aren't really mainstream yet. They haven't really been out there. I think their talent level is there. I think they're they're all world class guys, and I think that um, I love things like the tournament, like the, the you know the World Super Series, because you get to see these guys, you know, the cream rise to the crop, um, and and you know leave the best man standing. But I think, like you said, all those guys you mentioned are all all the top dogs in the division, and uh, those are the guys that I see myself hanging with in the next couple of years. Who do you think comes out of that Regis Progray Josh Taylor fight at the end of this year? to unify three of the four titles? That's a really interesting fight. You know, um, you know, between that, you know, you got two such a contrast of styles. You've got a, you got double south claws. Um, you know, you've got Progray, who's a you know, come forward guy, throws big punches. Um, you've got you know, Taylor, who's, who's a little more of a boxer, a little more, a little more of a, a technician in there. It's really going to gonna come down to if, uh, if Taylor can, can keep his wits about him, keep to his boxing, keep to his skills, and, and keep, you know, program from, from, from rushing. Yeah, no doubt that's going to be one hell of a fight. Uh, we always have fun on this show, Chris, with our great friend, DAZN announcer, Todd Grisham, your former partner at times in the booth calling fights. And here's what we say about Todd. We say one of the best hearts in the world, a great friend. But, but if you're a smart man, you don't hang out with Todd Grisham on the road because you're going to end up shirtless, broke, and maybe pregnant. You did some time in Malaysia with this man. Did you come out of it okay on the other side? Well, I'm, I'm going to go against you guys. There. I'm going to hang out with, with, with Todd every chance I get. <laughs> Once we take the mic off, because we had a blast in Malaysia. <laughs> and we're going to have a blast any other time that we work together. So going out with that guy is, is A-OK for me. <laughs> <laughs> but could he pass a VADA test right now? That's the real question, Chris. I don't think he can pass the test in any day. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give the man credit for what he's doing with his abs at age 43, though. Shout out to Todd Grisham, indeed. And shout out to you, Chris. Can't wait to see you back in the ring Saturday, June 1st, against Tommy Coyle. And very excited to be checking out the new book, The Fighter's Kitchen, which will come out June 4th through Penguin Books. Where can we find this, Chris? Amazon.com right now. And then uh, once we hit June 4th, it'll be in, in Barnes & Noble and all the booksellers. Can't wait. Chris, thanks so much for chatting with me, man. Best of luck. Great to see you coming back here. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Brian. Rafe, always great to touch base with our guy, Chris Algeri. Will you be buying his book on how to live the fighter's lifestyle nutritionally. He's got avocados on the cover. It ain't just for fighters, Rafe. It's for regular Joes like you and I, including guys like me, he says, who can't cook. Would you? You're an author. You're a New York Times high seller. Would you purchase Al Jerry's book? 
as as an author, yeah, I, I make a point of purchasing uh, the books of other authors who I have crossed paths with in life or if I just like the cut of their jib, as as I would say of of young Chris Algeria, a good New York Long Island boy. I mean, hell yeah, I will I will peep that book. And if it if it helps me get in a little bit of better shape, shoot, I will shake his, I, I would like to shake his hand, have a little pull and a push. Wow. <laughs> it was like a tug and war of kindness. Wow. He pulled. I pulled back, you know. He pumps it more than once. If I had outright put him on the spot and asked Algeria in that interview to be my nutritionist for hashtag Campbell Wise Survive or Die, what would he have said? I think he would have said well, you can work that out. Chris Altieri, he he's for the people. He will he he's always trying to make people happy. All right. Did you see did you get any pictures or videos of him during Canelo Jacobs week? The guy dresses like he's on the cover of GQ at all times, right? He's a walking box of sex. That, that's 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 your opinion, and I will um I will remember that the, you I will consider that the opinion of a stranger online. Let's look at the entire man. Many many men, many guys. All right, Rafe, it's time for do you care? We're gonna get to uh, our boy Al Jerry's fight in a second. It starts Friday, Rafe. I think we mentioned this last week in Chonburi, Thailand, when Wan Hang Mayoathin rematches Tatsuya Fukuhara. What is this happening? I don't know. Do you know, do you care this week about it? No, the... I still don't care, man. All Dwarf right. Giant, keep winning because w- I ain't watching. WBC straw weight title Saturday night, Rafe Cardiff, Wales. I'm I'm assuming Saturday afternoon. This sounds like an MTK Global production. ESPN Plus main event. Jay Harris. Jay Harris, not the Sports Center anchor, versus Angel Moreno, twelve rounds for the vacant European flyweight title. Uh huh. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anybody on the undercard you may know. Do you know Craig Evans or Sultan Zauerbeck? You don't care, right? Sultan Zauerbeck sounds familiar to me. Light heavyweight. Lightweight. But hey, good. Never, different Sultan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Sultani Bragamov. Rafe, it's Saturday night. <laughs> In the zone, New York City, Madison Square Garden. I will be there, brother, in your original backyard, in your hometown, in your natural city. It's Anthony Joshua, the three-belt, undefeated, unified heavyweight champion, coming to America, Rafe. The British invasion is upon us. Finally, he will step on the shores, the island of New Amsterdam, and show us what this man has Andy Ruiz Jr. is the last minute opponent, of course. We've been up and down the road with Big Baby. He takes a lot of drugs. We already know what happened. No reason to go back into that. Find me fighting on June 1st at MSG. Liverpool MC in NYC. Holding it down. I ain't a clown. I'm ready to rebound. I'm going to knock Miller out around the eighth round. He can't run with the champ. I lick him down, lick him like, down a like a stamp. I'm going to knock you down his head down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. Hey. Hey, yo. yo. Wow, Big Baby licked down a lot of uh, fluids and uh, and injections, Rafe. He will not be in there. So, true or false, Andy Ruiz Jr. is a more interesting opponent for Anthony Joshua than Big Baby ever was. Um, I, There's a good point. I, I guess it depends for what, too. If I were watching AJ lick one of these men down like a stamp... That's a, I don't know. I haven't really figured out which side I come down on there. But um, look, in the ring, you can argue, and it's and there's nothing there to really prove you wrong that Andy Ruiz is a better opponent than Jarrell Miller. At least Andy Ruiz has proven a little more in the ring. Has fought more or less on even terms with Joseph Parker, who 
gave AJ some trouble, basically neutralized him a, a bit in that fight, took away some of his right hand and those uppercuts, even though it was an ugly fight that, that AJ just outpointed with the jab and blah, 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 blah. But yo, Ruiz is a real fighter. He, 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 he looks, he look, he's a, he can box. He can, he can real boxer. Yeah. He, he, he's been saying in the interviews, Rafe, that he's going to come out aggressive. He's not afraid to bang. He's not afraid to stand in there against AJ. That would seem like a bad idea, right? Or is he talking more about like standing in there and trying to slip counter right hands? Like he can't like brawl with him. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I can't think that he wants to trade with AJ because that would be a bad idea. I do think he wants to win exchanges, which with his fast hands, I think even punching up as he'll have to, giving up five, six inches to AJ in height, I think that Ruiz can that's, – that probably is what is his best path to victory is through winning exchanges, landing something early. And we've seen AJ can start slow sometimes. We saw Povetkin – get the better of him in some of those early rounds, maybe shake him up a little bit, and then uh, AJ sort of work his way into the fight and find the openings to land those big shots and stop Povetkin. Uh, I think it's not a bad idea for, for Ruiz to go in and at least – at least responsibly, of course, try and test out that theory. See if he can get to AJ early and, and earn some respect. Cause if he does, if he, if he succeeds in that, then he can extend the fight a, a little longer and won't maybe have to worry, maybe deal with AJ trying to box and jab and, and take it a little slow rather than come out there and just take his head off. Um, I, if if Ruiz is smart about it, I think that could be a good game plan. If he is Brazil about it, then it is the worst game plan. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, so here's the deal: the I don't think AJ gets enough credit for the adjustments he's made as a boxer. He's not perfect. He's striking looking. He's he's he can knock you out. But I think he's made good adjustments in some of these more boring title defenses. I think he's yeah he's got seemed to have gotten hurt in little instances where we were surprised, but he's adjusted. But the biggest, I think, I guess the biggest weakness for AJ, tell me if I'm wrong, Rafe, is that he's so jacked, he doesn't have consistent 12-round stamina, even in 12-round fights that he's won. Is Does Ruiz have enough gas to exploit that in your eyes? If he tries to be as quick and sneaky and defensive as a boxer to try to go into deep rounds, and then in the moments he feels like he has AJ sucking wind trying to just hang on, can, can Ruiz, like, Pitter patter and steal rounds. Um, I could I steal rounds with some pitter patter, I suppose. But if it gets that late in the fight, then then that sort of presumes he's he may have lost a lot of rounds or given away some rounds just to get there. So so he'd be cl- climbing sort of back uphill into the fight. Um, AJ, yes, when he when he commits, we've seen him. You know, we've seen him blow an L here and there. He's been on load watch a few times, notably against <laughs> Vladimir Klitschko, right? He, he was severely, he was on severe load watch. And, and if Vladimir, if, if, if Mayor Vitali hadn't been in the corner telling Vlad to, to ease up, then that, that fight may have ended a lot earlier with Vladimir Klitschko, the winner. Uh, but we've seen AJ recover. We've seen him get his second wind. We've seen him, if anything, I, there are times since that fight where I've wanted him to step on the gas a little bit more, maybe take risk, risk the, risk the load a little bit. Yes. Be, because I think that's when he's most dangerous. When he really 
goes after a guy when he's trying when, when he smells blood when he's going for a finish or when he's just trying trying to create something when he's because his he has enough speed athleticism and size that when he puts punches together it's great the combinations he's got a very dangerous uppercut on the inside rafe so as much as last week i'm saying look if wilder tries to become like 80s mike tyson and his goal is to knock you out within two i'm not sure anybody could stop him and it's an argument for itself. You're basically saying, look, if AJ stops fighting for 12 rounds and being worried about dropping that L and says, look, I'm going to make this a six-round fight and I'm going to stop the guy, adding that extra gas onto it may turn him in more into an even more attractive destroyer. Is that where you're going? Well, I think that's true. And I think that may be, my, in my opinion, the, the best version of AJ. Now, I think that it is a good thing about him that he's a mature enough fighter to try and pace himself, to learn different ways of winning fights, to go through a fight like the Joseph Parker fight, where between the referee breaking up all the inside action and Joseph Parker really fighting a, a very defensive style that almost seemed like it was more about survival than, than really trying to go in there and take the championship or take AJ's belt, since they both brought belts in that fight. Um, but going through those kind of fights where He's facing more negative opponents where he has to go 12 rounds, where he, you know, even getting knocked down and getting up and, ha and surviving that the brutal fifth and sixth rounds against Vladimir Klitschko. Those are making him a more seasoned and, and mature fighter, giving him different ways to win fights. I think that's good overall, but. I still, for me, the most dangerous AJ is the AJ who's, who in 30, for 30 seconds at a time is like, I'm just going to put it on this man. Because even if he blocks the first two punches, they're going to be heavy enough. The, the next, the ones coming behind it are going to be fast enough and dangerous enough that, that I am going to catch and hurt this guy. I am more man. I have bigger huevos. I think we're looking at a six round fight here, Rafe. And I think that we're all like Ruiz can do some things. It's interesting. But look, in the end, AJ is going to be a heavy favorite. I don't think it's dissimilar in this case to how we look at some wilder fights where like, okay, that opponent that he's facing is skilled. He can do different things. Deontay can't, but eventually that opponent will fatigue a little bit. Wilder will catch him. It's a little different with Joshua, but the equation is kind of the same. Even if Andy Ruiz Jr. has success outboxing Joshua for parts of the first half, I think the moment Joshua lands something big, look, Ruiz is a Mexican-American fighter. He's going to start trying to – his survival mode will be to fight back. It's going to set him up to get knocked out. All the ways that you add this up and do the math and bring out the slide rule and get your drafting tools and try to figure out how this fight's going to end, I can't get away – from an Anthony Joshua sixth-round TKO after a couple of knockdowns and the crowd goes crazy at MSG. What you got? I think that's a very likely outcome, Brian. I, I think there's a chance that AJ comes in and does want to make an even bolder statement than that, especially fighting two weeks after Deontay Wilder had the amazing first-round knockout that – you know, now something like 400 million, half the world, 6 billion, all of China have seen on social media the highlight, they say, of Deontay Wilder knocking out Dominic Brazil. I think AJ wants him some of that. He wants to keep his name at the top, not just as the top money man at heavyweight, but as the, the people that the most, the consensus boxing expert opinion is that of the three top heavyweights, of the three great heavyweights, 
AJ is the guy deserves to be uh, just a nose ahead of the others. And you know what? He's lost some of that ground because of the performances yes. we've seen with from Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And I don't know if I agree with that. I may I he still might be my top guy of the three, but I think he wants to do something to put his name back on the map. So I think we will see a, a aggressive AJ. I think we'll see him use that length and maybe try and drop some big right hands in on the outside before try and use that height and reach. Uh, yeah. I mean, he thinks he's the B E S T of the heavyweight division. I like the idea that he's got to equal Wilder's recent statement and remind everybody of that. This is a big fight for DAZN, obviously, as was the Canelo Jacobs one to get viewers into this. You can promise them not only this, but triple G and Stevie rolls next weekend in the same building. So look, this ain't Klitschko. It ain't. So we're probably going to see a knockout there and AJ's big debut. Look at, no, I don't care who, if he, I don't care who he was going to fight. Like you can fight surf and safari. It's it, AJ making the debut. It's still matters this guy is a star look let's go making that msg debut against brian jennings a few years back mattered it was like we never get to see this guy it's an event to finally see him up close and to do it in the backdrop of msg it gets me the heck fired up for that rafe co-main event do you care wba super middleweight title holder callum smith against hassan endom he's back rafe ah i care because i want me some more callum smith you know it's been Close to a year since he beat George Groves, or maybe nine months since he beat George Groves in that WBSS final tournament. So now's the time he should be out here building that that rep. And I know that's what this is about, right? He, he he's trying to get a knockout of Endam coming up from middleweight. We know he goes down easy. We'll see if he gets back up in this fight. He's been watched. He's been losing amateur fights when he goes back and does that weird <laughs> back and forth. I think we we probably have seen the best of Endam despite his weird back and forth uh uh collaboration with Ryota Murata. Um but Callum Smith basically this, this look this fight comes down to one thing. Is Callum Smith going to look good enough to get the attention of one ginger from Guadalajara? Is yeah. he going to impress Canelo enough for Canelo to say Callum Smith, you are next, my friend. I am with you. Just, I will do you like I did your brother. Wow. I'm a DAZN subscriber. Shout out to DAZN. They are making us care by putting these big names in, in somewhat biggish fights. We'll see what happens. Hey, we talked about Chris Algieri. He talked in the interview about Tommy Coyle. Rafe, I kind of like this junior welterweight fight. Coyle, a British brawler. Revisit his collaboration with Michael Katsidis as well with Luke Campbell. Uh, Algieri says, Rafe, he can see himself getting a title shot at 140 with a win here. Do you care about this fight? Well, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to. Against who, Rafe? Against who? Against, you know damn well against who? Against more. Mo Hooker. Wow. Hooker headlines. His own fighter. Yeah. Algeri and a hooker. Who, who you never thought you'd see it, but <laughs> that's what we're building <laughs> to. And he should be able to beat Tommy Coyle, who's sort of a blood and guts warrior type. But you know what? Algeri looked like he was fading a little bit down. Yeah. Uh, and, and if it's the kind of thing where he, he needs to pull this out to get that payday, you think that he will, he should be able to, but 
you could if if you wanted to throw some some long shot upset money at it, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at you because um, wow. he's been off for a while. Nice hedge coming up there. Dwyer would be down with that. Look, you know what I I like. That's the rule. You 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 bet on the underdog, and then well, you can't do Algeria by knockout as the hedge. So ooh, this is tough for a hedge better. Hmm. Yeah, this is we'll very... have to think about that. You know what fight I'm looking at on this undercard, Brian? Are you going to give it to me? Uh, Katie Taylor against Delphine Pursoon. Ten rounds for all four women's lightweight titles. It's a unification, Rafe. Katie Taylor, Eddie Hearn's favorite fighter, he says. I don't believe that. He's a bomber Bellu fan. Do you care? Yes, I care. I'm being told that this is a real test for Katie Taylor, at least so far in her career. She may pass it with flying colors because she is really, really a great – she's a, a phenomenal boxer. I will say I, I care even more because we were there at the Garden back in December when Canelo fought Rocky Fielding and Katie Taylor was on an undercard. And the crowd was going wild for Katie Taylor. And it was awesome to see – you know, like, like you, I don't know. The, I, you hate to say this, but often you see the boxing crowds, they'll treat – the 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 women's fight as the the, the popcorn fight right the let the, here I'm gonna go watch my seat and this one everyone stuck stays you know sat sat down bolted to their seats and watched Katie Taylor operate and she puts on a show man she she you know she she's a fun fighter she can really box she doesn't she she doesn't stink it out I, I'm into this she puts the fun in Sebastian Fundora I'm with you on that uh, before we get to the fight you really care about I've been telling you I did these Brit the zone undercard Eddie Hearns in the past. Josh Buatzi is the, is one of these next guys. He's one of these guys who have next. He has a 10 round light heavyweight test, the toughest fight of his career so far against recycled Marco Antonio Parabon. Rafe, Josh Buatzi is amazing. He's the guy at the Olympics who Floyd Mayweather came up to him and was like, I want to promote you right now. Buatzi turned him down, signed with Matchroom, just 26, from Akragana, was largely raised in England, though, a six foot one light heavyweight. I care, Rafe. Do you care? I do care. I want to see, I, I, I want to see him build his career and see how far it could go, it could go, because people are really, really high on Buatzi and Joe. This, this is not bad. Perriban is a, is a veteran. He knows how to survive. Should hopefully give him a few rounds and, and let him, let him show off something spectacular if he's got it. 10 and 0, 8 KOs is Boazzi, an incredible body puncher. We'll see what he has here against a name, but the, what you're talking about is Mr. Yeah. Sex himself, the welterweight Josh Kelly, 10 rounds against Ray Robinson. Jacobs is a puncher, right? Boxer, puncher. Think Sugar Ray Robinson. No, not that Robinson, Ray. The other Ray Robinson, the journeyman, but it's Josh Kelly. Are you fired up? I am fired up. I think this is uh, what a a ballsy. I mean, talk about put your balls, put your prospect on the line fight. We just saw Ray Robinson fight to a draw. Not that we are. Uh, look, I'm not the I'm not nearly as high on Edjajus Kavalielauskas, the Mean Machine, uh, as Bob Aram is. You know, because Bob will tell you that Kavalielauskas and Besputin will beat all the welterweights, all the Walter Mean Machine is. Really at the top, he's like a back end top 10 welterweight, maybe at best. But, but he's a prospect. He's a guy who's coming up. They're trying to set up who as a big fighter. And Ray Robinson in Philly a few months ago fought him 
to a draw that when a lot of people thought Ray Robinson should have won. Now he's fight. Now Eddie Hearn is putting him in with the Olympian, with the, with the, their, their golden boy, pretty boy, Josh Kelly. That's, that's ballsy matchmaking. I mean, Kelly almost, we saw what happened to my guy out there in Spain, Kermin Leheraga, when he fought David Avenesian. Avenesian was supposed to fight Josh Kelly at the end of last year. Kelly got sick or couldn't make weight or something, had to had to jack out of that fight. He, I thought, woo, he may have dodged a bullet with that. Yeah. Instead, yeah. now he's taking he might off a bigger bullet in Robinson. I mean, that is that's serious stuff. This is this is ballsy matchmaking, Brian. I like it. I like it a lot, Rafe. Uh, look, Josh Kelly is a good-looking, fast-handed welterweight. I really want to see how good he can be, whether he's going to break my heart. Like we talked about that fun discussion last week, of course, with uh, my Scottish friend, Josh uh, Josh Taylor. But uh, we'll see what happens here. Rafe, another card we kind of have to care Wait, about. Wait, Brian, we, we, need to, we, we need to think about there's something else going on with this in this arena on this night. What, what Josh the- Kelly and Chris Algieri wow. on the same card under the same, wow. same town. Could you What's imagine? Happen? Is Ryan Garcia available? Could you Can imagine them together? fighting each other, Rafe? Could you imagine Algieri passing, not the torch, but passing the stick to passing Josh Kelly? Dome. Passing the dog. Let him out the cage. Forget Grisham and Algeri late nights in Malaysia. Forget Algeri and Kevin Rooney Jr., when they were doing that stand preparing for Pacquiao at the Las Vegas Venetian. Could you imagine what a post-fight Josh Kelly, Chris Algeri scene could look like? We're talking about Cali party levels. We're talking about, hey, Deontay, give me that eyes wide shut mask. I've got Nicole Kidman on line one. I, I think I think Josh Kelly is going to say, hey, mate, come up to Sunderland. I'll show you how we do it on the Geordie Shore. Remember that time we asked uh, Eddie Hearn on this show if he could party on the levels of Cali? And he was like, no, 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 no. I don't mess with that guy. Like, well, this is legendary. Yeah, he would. Uh, Eddie sounded like he would suck Tyson Fury's nuts before he'd oh, go to a God. Cali party. What do you want me to get us fired? What is going on here? Rafe, Saturday night, sand. Rafe, your relative backyard. This is kind of a fight that almost matters. FS1, PBC, San Jacinto, California. You're going? Is that in your backyard? Where is that? Uh, San Jacinto, I'm pretty sure, is in the Central Valley, which is a little bit, you know, it's a few hours away, but I could get there. I think it's Temecula East, right? Oh, my bad. It's not Central Valley at all. All right. Well, you can't, you can't win them all with geography. Okay. So that's down near, uh, <laughs> down Irvine, near San Diego. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's Temecula East. Uh, main event, welterweights. I think this is a fun 10 round matchup. Yes, I presided over the PBC face to face, which you can watch right now on the Fox Sports Go app. Catch it on FS1 replaying in FS2 this week. Devin Alexander against Ivan Redcock. Rafe, interesting matchup here. Ivan's moving up from 40. His welterweight debut, he told me he did it because of the name, because of the money that comes with Devin Alexander. He's a brawler. Alexander's 32. Is he on that downslope? Or did he get robbed against Berto? We're going to find out. What is this going to look like? Well, first of all, I'm excited because Devin Alexander is training with Roy Jones Jr. We know that magic happens when Roy is in the corner, whether it's going back to the Jean Pascal days with Jean Pascal singing Y'all Must Have Forgot in the locker room before his fight, before getting sent back to hell by Sergei Kovalev. Uh, it was – so so Roy being involved makes me pumped for this. I think Devin Alexander – has enough left to to win this fight. Now there's a chance that he's 
gotten to that stage in his career where he just doesn't want a war with a like crazy rabid Ukrainian dude with with Miguel Cotto tribal tattoos. Yes. And and Ivan Redcock is that guy. And he told me he did get that tattoo on his right shoulder because of his love for Kodo. I respect that. I know Karen Mulvaney respects that. Where were you going, Rafe? We lost you for a second. Come back to me, Rafe. Come back. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. Yeah. That's an even better reason to get that tattoo if you did it for Miguel because we know, we know what Miguel has on his iPad. Um, (laughs) Rafe, ultimately there's a problem here though. And that's, we saw, you saw, you were in the building for Ivan Redcock, John Molina Jr. last year, which was one of the more exciting fights of the year. It was a fun four-round brawl. They both got dropped in hurt. But I think we kind of know Redcock's ceiling. Yeah, it's low. And he's moving up in weight. And by the way, he's a really fun dude. He's hilarious to talk to. He's first cousins with Victor Postal. They spar all the time. He's been sparring for Victor Ortiz ahead of this fight. There's a really fun moment in the PBC face-to-face episode where he accuses Devin Alexander of being dirty and says, you elbowed Victor Ortiz in the eye. He told me. He told me. He told me. It's a great moment, Rafe. And uh even at 32, even if he's quasi-washed, Alexander should have enough skill for this, right? I think he still has enough. I do think he still has enough. He looked good enough in those Birdo fights against Victor Ortiz. He seems like he's got enough in the tank to handle a smaller, aggressive, but limited opponent like Redcock. 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 Whatever. Does Ev- Devin stop him? No, I don't think so. How? When, how I mean, Redcock has lost some weird ones. He said he lost to, uh, who's that guy Mikey Garcia sent to hell? Dejan Zlade Tichinen, only because Dejan basically like headbutted him or hit him with his elbow or whatever, and it led to a stoppage and a bad stop. I don't know. You know, he tells me he got robbed by other people. He's had to have a hard of a, kind of a hard luck run, but he's intense and he bangs, but look, Devin's winning a decision here, Rafe. That's the bottom line. I'm with that all the way. All right. I don't hate this co-main event. In fact, I like it, Rafe. Hugo Centeno Jr. versus Willie Monroe Jr., 10 rounds middleweights. Both have suffered losses. Willie's trying to come back from that bad drug test that lost him the Charlo Showcase in December. You like this fight? Eh, eh, uh, it's just that I, I, I'm worried that the winner will go on. Or, you know, this feels like it's a setup for another one of those weird draws, those fishy draws where neither guy that we just saw with Austin Trout and Terrell Gaucher, yeah. where neither guy looks spectacular. They let them both go home with a draw and nothing. the landscape doesn't change. Willie Monroe, great, uh, fun guy. We've had great talks with him about the, the garbage plate up there in Rochester. Yes. But you know what? The thing about Willie Monroe, he hasn't made a lot of fun fights in recent years, and I'm afraid he's quick enough, skilled enough to make this boring, but also he may not actually do enough to win it against Hugo Centeno Jr. Uh, whoever wins goes on to a fight they probably don't d- deserve or we don't really want to see them at middleweight, and so it's hard to really get behind it, but I'm hoping – I'm prove me wrong, guys, because sometimes I'm overly cynical. Monroe's fight with uh, Billy Joe Saunders' son was probably one of his more exciting ones, although that was a blow-blow, Riff. That was a blow-blow. It's not a blow-blow, man. That's a good pants. You don't care about Jack Tapora against Jose Luis Gallegos' featherweights, right? Or, or any Jacques. Other... Uh, I mean I, I, I care because he's you know, – Jack Tapora is, is Pinoy, Filipino oh, shot. Nice. Riff, I need to learn a little Tagalog. I think I do. Functional I can teach Tagalog. you them. All right, all right, I'm down with that. Uh, I don't know if there's much else to talk about this weekend, Rafe. It's AJ's comeback or, or his U.S. debut. It's a decent FS1 slop, and uh, also from Macau, China, on Saturday, Meng 
Fan Long against Adam Dianis, 12 rounds IBF light heavyweight eliminator. No? Mang, did you say Meng Batir? Meng Fan Long. Oh, no. I, I like, I like former Dallas Maverick Meng Batir. Oh, wow. Wow. Remember, uh, remember that guy, Jean, what? Wang Zhiji? Yeah, Wang Zhiji. That was my dude, right? He played on the, on the Mavs. He could, he could hit threes. Remember that? Yes, he could. Yeah. I miss, I miss the old NBA. Rafe, let's, can we be honest about the new NBA? You can be honest. So you can't touch anybody. The whole game is quick guards dribbling into the paint and then passing out for an open three. I hate it, Rafe. Am I old? I I just became an old guy. I wouldn't go that far, Brian. I, I I have some sympathy for that point of view. I, I think I don't mind the 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 emphasis on the perimeter game, on uh, the the way the guards are really the focal point, or, or wings are really the focal point of today's NBA. In fact, I mean, on to some level, like ever since Michael Jordan, he, that has been the case. Um, but even before, shoot. Um, but I I hate that the way the rules have almost legislated the big man out of the game. They turned exactly. them into very limited players, and we don't get great centers like Ahim and Patrick Ewing exactly. and Shaq anymore. Um, and even the I, dude I on the Sixers. Be, they can find a better middle way with the rules. Yes, and even Embiid on the Sixers, who has a legitimate, is probably the only legitimate center left, he's still out shooting threes because he has to. It's true. Also because no one else can shoot on his team. He's like one of their better guys. got a better three-point shot than most you know, half of their guards. I coached fifth-grade basketball this year, and I'm trying like desperately to teach these guys to post up, and nobody cares, Rafe. And that's where we're at now. I, the game has passed me by, Rafe. Luckily, tonight I'll be playing in the 35 and older old guy league. I'll be posting up a lot. You won't see new basketball. Rafe, true or false, and let's be really honest here before we close. If Steph Curry came up in the 90s, he'd be Dana Barrows. False, man. That guy, he, that, that guy can make crazy shots. Yeah. Off the dribble. Yeah. All right. Well, so he'd be Dana Barrows plus one. All right. He'd be, you want to, the nineties comp is Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, Chris Jackson, Ah, guy who can pull up on the drop of a dime, can handle the ball, can do a little bit of everything, but just a sweet, sweet shooter. And ultimately got blackballed because of his religion. Yes. But they couldn't get into the lane. Rafe, give me a hand check. Give me Derek Harper, Rafe. All right. Yeah, those guys, they, they ain't playing that stuff, all that, all that sweet stuff. They give you that forearm shiver and we'll see how things change after that. Oh man. All right. In closing real quick, uh, are you woke or do you care on Paulie Malinaji? Uh, they moved that bare knuckle fight against Artem Lobov to Tampa. Did you see that press conference in New York where Paulie was dressed like a gangster and hit Artem over the head with a microphone and went as far? We got on Wilder for saying, uh, get your funeral plans ready. I want to kill a man. Paulie was like, I want to kill him and then urinate in his mouth. Did you see this stuff? I mean, did you read? Like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm not far off, Rafe. I did see it. I don't know what to make of it. Paulie, what's going on, man? Get get your money. I I, kind of wish it didn't show up as much on the timeline as it does, but Paulie's a good promoter. They spent their money wisely. They they got a guy who's getting them in all of the timelines with his antics. Um, Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. Uh, in closing, also, uh, you got me woke, of course, on uh, Evan Murkowski's Fistianato's podcast. I, 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 I deal with that. I F with that. I like that. But you finally got me to come around to our boy Kurt Emhoff to listen to him consistently. What's the name of his pod? Boxing Esquire. Same as his Twitter handle. Kurt Emhoff is solid. In that pod he had, I believe, with John Nash, the MMA writer, talking about the the idea of if these rumors are true that the PBC could be sold to Dana White's uh, parent UFC company Endeavor, Ari Emanuel, was a very interesting listen. Yeah, I mean, just the, the, the level of insight and and stuff we learned about 
the PBC operation. I guess a lot of it was out there, but they synthesized it really well. And, and the, the, it can't, man, that, that was one of those, you listen to it twice because it's a full education in there. I really enjoyed that. Shout out to Kurt Emhoff, by the way. And that's an interesting topic. We'll see if any other facts come out of there in the future. Obviously, PBC doesn't really comment on anything. So we'll see what happens with that. Hey, shout out to Chris Algeri for being on the show. Shout out to the listeners for dealing with our multiple audio issues where we'll try to get that corrected. And Rafe, thanks for being a part of this, brother. You got it, brother. Uh, do you have any, any message? Any, any final thing? Follow you at Rafe Boogs on Twitter. Anything? I'm looking forward to this weekend to see the second birthplace of a J in New York City. Yes. And we out.